Very good. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Danny here from Simply Do It in, uh, with another session. We do it, uh, those sessions to educate you. We try to stick to a weekly session on Friday uh, around 10 a.m. Uh, we used to do it at 11. Now we shifted to 10 a.m. Pacific time, uh, which is exactly now. This is a pure educational um, um, session. We take topics that we um, <clears throat> receive and uh, experience and uh, talking about with investors throughout our week, our working week, and we bring it into this session. So if you are one of those people who's kind of wondering about something and you're not sure, let us know. You can always drop us a note and we will possibly talk about this uh, in the next um, uh, uh, session or so. And we, we don't typically mention names unless you request to that we mention you and we keep your privacy. So feel free to send us a topic you are interested to hear about and we may accommodate if I feel comfortable Accommodating and knowledgeable, I'll be happy to do so. Um, quick note, this session is being recorded on or being distribu distributed on three channels, on Facebook Live, on YouTube Live or YouTube channel and on a podcast. So you can consume this if you want and other sessions uh, through any of those uh, channels. Uh, we definitely see that podcasts are... Um, you know, on the increase of usage, and I'm happy to to say this is a, this seems to be working very well uh, in terms of uh, getting to know you guys uh, better. So, if you want to listen to any to any of previous sessions, we have podcasts, we have on YouTube, and we have here on Facebook. You're most welcome to uh, to download, to listen, to watch. I definitely see that a lot of people are joining us post live session. Now let's uh, let's talk about today's topic. Today's topic is the drama. What kind of drama should you expect when you own a rental property? Okay, so we're talking about drama. Now, when I say drama, I actually mean the noise in the system, the noise that we have as owners when owning a rental or multiple rentals. Here are the things you are typically should expect. Now, I'm not going to talk about the extremes. I'm not going to talk about um, you know, the, the tropical uh, storm that comes through the area. I'm not going to talk, uh, talk about a uh, nuclear uh, threat. I'm not talking about uh, the China-US uh, relation, commerce relationship, etc. I'm going to talk about what happens usually between the extreme situation. Okay. And typically, you know, we're going to see four things. We're going to see, we're going to see evictions. And I'm going to explain about all of them. Repairs, um, um, vacancies, and communication or miscommunications with the property management company. So let's tackle them one by one for a second so you have a better understanding. The whole purpose of this session is to get your mind calibrated. If you know what to expect, when that comes, you are more prepared for it. Okay, let's talk about number one. Probably one of the, the, the more concerning topics investors have, vacancy. Okay, what do I mean by vacancy? What I mean by vacancy, I mean that typically houses do, do tend to be to sit vacant for a while. A while can be a week, a while can be a month, it can even be longer, right? Really depends on where you're buying, what you're buying, 
you know, when you buy summer, winter, etc. So there are, you know, uh, the different factors that are faking the vacancy, your asking price, <clears throat> marketing, etc. But bottom line, expect vacancy. Now, when we do we do, when do we typically do not see vacancy? Well, some metros in the U.S. do suffer. It's a good suffering from high demand for housing. Silicon Valley, parts of Seattle, uh, parts of New York City, uh, parts of Washington D.C., and I'm sure there are other uh, there are other uh, um, uh, pockets that I'm not familiar with. But those areas will typically see high demand for one reason or another. High demand for uh, for housing, and that means a house that is becoming available, you know, many times is being rented or getting occupied very, very quickly with a matter of days or a day or, or just, you know, a few days, okay? That's not a guarantee. That's what we see, right? So be aware of that. Now, when we exclude the high demand, the super high demand area, let's just call them this way, and we are focusing about the rest of the country, we typically see some vacancies. How much vacancy? Well, the, the real answer is really depends where you're buying, when you're buying, like I said earlier. In our world of real estate, we try to eliminate the vacancy by going to areas that we know that there are good demand, right? That, that's, that even when we are eliminating a lot of the, of the possible long vacancy, we are still seeing the following. Anywhere during the summer from, a, from two weeks to a month, month and a half, normal. Right, we would see it when we purchase the property, and we see it when uh, there is a transition between tenants. Okay, the vacancies. That's where we're going to meet them. Um, do can or have we seen more than a month and a half? Absolutely. Can you get to two months? Yes. We probably have two to four properties or rental, you know, investors that are experiencing probably. Two to three uh, months of vacancies, not every year, every time there's a transition, but we see it once, you know, uh, a few of them a year. Not a lot, but definitely see them. Can you get to four months? Oh, yeah, you can. How many of those do I see in my world of, of my ecosystem? Well, I see, I see one of those uh, probably every once every three years or so. So do we get to that uh, you know, frequently? Not at all. Can it happen? Absolutely. Typically, when something like this happens, that means there's other factors, factors that are affecting the vacancy, such as marketing, such as the house readiness, uh, such as maybe an owner, um, you know, is declining different tenants. Um, so sometimes when I see longer vacancies than two, two and a half months, probably something is going on with the environment of the property. Environment can be something objective and something subjective. Okay. So, can it happen? Absolutely. By the way, do you, um, should you expect a vacancy every year? Well, again, it depends where you're buying, where you're investing. Typically, or in my world of experience, we probably get, uh, you know, tenants tend to stay on average about two, two and a half years. So that means we are expecting a month, maybe a month and a half, uh, on average, realistically, every two years. Okay. So that makes it about, Three weeks on average per year if we want to strip it down to an average uh, 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 rule of thumb. Uh, again, it's only an average. Your house can be the abnormal one, one way or the other. By the way, do I see houses being uh, uh, rented in less than one week? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have even seen houses that the tenant was ready to move in before 
the client, the investor of ours, closed on the property. So that definitely can happen. So the important thing to take from this, or the important things you should take from this, number one, is be ready. It will happen. Okay? It, it will happen. Number two, plan for it. How do you plan for it? In your financial model, and we do it on our end when we use our Excel, we allocate a certain vacancy factor. Right? If we can be a little bit more aggressive, conservative, realistic, it doesn't matter, but we plan for it. So that means we know that even if our house is going to be rented for um, you know, $1,500 a month on average, you know, the actual you know, uh, um, rent after vacancy would probably be like $1,450 or something like that. We put it into the financial model. So be aware of that. So most important thing, be ready financially, be ready mentally. It will happen. I have seen investors freaking out that the house is not being occupied literally two days after closing. Well, why are you freaking out? Take a breather, it will rent. I have not met the house that did not rent, and as long as we did whatever we needed to do on, on my end. Oh my God, Facebook is now waking up, and I see tons of people here. Wow, a minute ago it was completely uh, empty, now I see tons of people. Good morning, everyone, thanks for joining me. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't really, I thought he, uh, I'm here with just a few likes. So thank you for uh, joining. Please put likes, please put comments, questions, etc. Let's make it a little bit more engaging. It will be more fun for me. Otherwise, I feel like a one-way uh, conversation. Okay, we covered number one, vacancy. Number two, repairs. Guess what? Guarantee you will have repairs. Okay, be ready for it. Who's going to pay for it? No, it's not going to be the property manager. Okay, it's going to be you. It's maybe going to be deducted from the, the next rent, but it's still going to come out of your pocket. So be aware of that, right? Sometimes people ask me, is the property manager going to take care of it? Yes, not financially. Coordinate, bring the vendor, etc. Absolutely. That's part of their job. Now, talking about the property managers and repairs, here's another, you know, tr hard cold truth. Are you ready for this? The property managers are not gonna spend hours finding multiple bids on a plumbing job for $150. Ain't gonna happen unless you wanna pay them for their hours. They're not gonna spend hours only to save you 25 bucks. Ain't gonna happen, be ready. Not only that, sometimes, well, when we have a big job, something in the many hundreds or few thousand, definitely, you know, uh, uh, you should expect them to to bring you two, three bids and demand it. That's fine, but not on every little thing. It ain't gonna happen. They have their uh, list of resources of vendors, and they're gonna use it. Some of them have it in house. Some of them have uh, subs. Doesn't matter. That's what they're gonna use. Let me give you another fact. Many times investors are calling me and saying, "Well, Daniel, this is crazy. They're charging me." You know, $150 for some repair that probably should cost about $125, maybe even $100. How come is it so expensive? Well, here's another fact. The property managers are not going to find and not going to hire the cheapest handyman without insurance with a, with a beat up truck to come and, and fix something in your house. Why they're not going to do that? Because they don't feel that this person can provide any type of guarantee or warranty on their job. And if they bring someone like this to your house and that person doesn't do a good job, they have no one to call, uh, to call on or to go after. And that's something critical because if that happens to you, 
then you're going to demand them to take care of it on their expense. So they're not going to check and not going to bring the unprofessional person to your house. They have a certain level of obligation and certain level of integrity. They're going to exercise. That's why many times you can probably do the same jobs the property manager is doing for less. But you will probably bring the guy from Craigslist, nothing wrong with them, right? I'm just saying that doesn't have any experience or many little experience or no insurance. You're going to take that risk on yourself. The property manager does not want to take that risk. That's why many times they're going to charge you or they're going to pay a little bit more. Be ready for it. You can fight it. You can deny it. But that's just a reality. Right? You don't have to like it. It's just part of the game we're playing here with long-term rentals. Okay? So be ready for repairs. It's going to happen. Be ready for repairs that may be going to cost a little bit more going through the property manager. Just the part of how things are being done in the U.S. Right? You don't have to like it. But that's just the way it is. Number three. Communication with the property manager. We are, if you're working, if you're doing it by yourself, everything I'm talking here or a lot of things I'm going to talk in you self-manage are less relevant for you. That's fine. If you are working with a property manager, here's what's going to happen. Sooner or later, there's going to be a miscommunication, a friction, a misunderstanding. It's going to happen. Sometimes we are engineers in Silicon Valley or executives or managers or whatever. And we are dealing with people that are not necessarily as sophisticated. Good people, reliable people, I hope, right? That varies. And uh, I can tell, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about that as well. But we are dealing with uh, what I like to call simple people. And they see, you know, even with all good intentions, there is a misunderstanding, right? That happens when we are dealing with people. And people communicate and there are misunderstandings. And, you know, if you add some different cultural backgrounds and maybe language barriers and mis- you know, uh, and terminology barriers, etc. That obviously is going to happen. We are back live, and I was in the middle of a sentence, and Facebook shut me down. Well, I didn't shut me down, but I just got uh, something happened. So I'm uh, resuming the session here. Not sure what exactly happened. I apologize, but all of a sudden, blink. So if you are on the podcast or you are on YouTube, bear with me for a few seconds, and we are going to wait for Facebook to catch up. I see it's coming up. And we will continue. So my apologies, technology, those things happen. Honestly, after probably well over 100 sessions, maybe even 150 sessions, that's the first time Facebook kind of click and uh, got us uh, um, uh, shut down. And I think it's acting out today. So, for example, I see likes, but I don't see people. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to continue where I left off. There was a miscommunication. Maybe Facebook doesn't like what I'm saying here and I'm being censored. Hopefully not. Uh, but when we work with property managers, here's a couple of things that can happen. 
you said one thing, they heard one, th one thing. They thought you meant one thing and, and, uh, and, and you actually meant another thing. Those things will happen and result in mistakes that are going to be done by the property manager and you're going to end up paying for it. Oh my God, you're going to end up paying for it, right? Because sometimes those mistakes, most times, those mistakes are done on things that anyway need to occur. They're just not being communicated or, or, or properly. That's a very common practice with property manager. Be ready for that, okay? We teach our investors who buy with us how to better communicate with property manager and how to, and we emphasize where are the classical fail point. And once we know those classical fail point, a lot of the friction, a lot of the problems is, you know, are, are being dropped. Actually, so much so, one of the things we offer our investors, and by the way, it's available to, for sale as well, is a course that we call Owner Crash Course. Owner Crash Course. Owner Crash was something that I've put together years ago, and then we, we just uh, did a, a six or six months or so, a new version of it. But it simply says, here are the things you need to know now that you are an owner of a rental property. Those things which we've learned over mistakes, over stress, over pain, right? We're sharing them with you uh, so you can learn and you become a much better owner from day one. So there are less, you know, uh, there are less, uh, uh, um, uh, the chances of things like this happening are decreasing, right? That's the whole point of this course, right? Some of the investors who have, who have worked with us and came into our ecosystem of Simply Do It already with some experience told me, Danny, I love this course because I probably knew close to half of the things you talked about, but you know what? There's a more than 50% of the things I didn't really thought about or I thought about, I didn't really realize how important that is. And I'm like, I'm blown away that you actually list those things and you gave it to me so I can use it for my my new properties with you guys and my existing properties and I will benefit from it as well. So the owner crashers teaches you how to better communicate with the property manager. If you know where the classical you know, fail points are, you there's a very good chance you will be able to prevent them when they when they get started before they even happening, right? Very, very uh, 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 important thing to have. So um, we talked about communications with the property managers. Let me uh, give you two examples, two stories. Number one, years back, um, one of my property managers in Phoenix, she replaced a fridge in one of the investors house houses. Uh, for I think $675, $675 without the owner's approval. In the contract, it said uh, that the property manager needs to get an approval from the owner for everything above $300 or $400. She did not. She made a mistake. She's a human being. She had all good intentions. The house still needed a fridge, but the investor was pissed. Rightfully so. Okay. Well, she didn't re reimburse him. It, it created a lot of uh, friction. But bottom line, those things will happen. Another story. One of my friends, very good friends, in the past worked with a property manager in Orlando. And he, the, the property manager had a, 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 his system was that anything above, I think, $300 
we go and ask for the owner's approval. My friend was frustrated, so he twisted the property manager's arm uh, um, to get to the point that they will request his approval for everything over $150. So the property manager has a system for $300, but now one client with two or three properties at a time wants it to be not $300, but $150, right? The property manager didn't want to do it because that's not the system and processes and checks and balances he has in place, right? But he did. He agreed. Why? Because he wanted to please the, the his client. Why? Because he wanted to please me, Danny, being the, you know, the simply do it, you know, the simply do it. So there's no friction with us. Why? Because my friend is a very articulate person and I'm sure he was able to convince him, right? What do you think happened the first time there was a repair and it cost more than $150? The system failed. He didn't call my, my friend, didn't get an approval, and my friend was furious. And then my friend comes to me and says, well, he agreed to it, right? Why did he agree to it? And this is where my friend had to decide if he want to be smart or, or he needs to be right about the situation. But I told him, you twisted his arm to get to the point that he's willing to do something to accommodate you that it's not something he wants to do. So it was designed for a mistake from the get-go. I have an exactly similar situation with another property manager in Dallas. And again, a client owner requested that the amount would be $200 uh, you know, approval instead of $400, right? The property manager in Dallas says, absolutely no. This is a deal killer. Why? Because the minute I don't have a system in place, at least at the time, that I can flag that situation. For me, everything across the board is $300 or $400. And if you can accommodate, I don't have a way in my system to accommodate it. So that means it's a recipe for mistake from day one. I am not willing to do it because I know where we're going to end, right? And the owner said, you know what? That's fine. I'll stick with 400 right? So one property manager was assertive enough to, to hold his ground because he knew what's going to happen. Another one was just a nice person. He didn't want to fa- He didn't want it to fail. He just was a nice person. He wanted to, to accommodate his client. So just as an example, how things can go wrong, even if we agree one way or another, but those are the things you should be expecting with your property manager. Now, if you are a person and you understand that, you will know it will happen. First of all, now you know it will happen. Second, work with the property manager on resolving uh, situations, ideally before they even happen, right? Preventive, but be aware of that. It will happen, okay? So a lot of the investors, like they freak out, or not a lot, but sometimes someone freaks out about something like this, and you know what? What can I say? It happens, it will happen, okay? Be ready for it. So we talked about three, vacancy, repairs, communication with property managers, and number four is evictions. Okay, evictions. Will you have an eviction? Well, my guess, yes. What are the chances you're going to have an eviction? Well, that really depends. It depends on uh, the type of house, type of area, the type of, you know, the, the, the demographics of the area. Uh, who, who are your tenants and other factors, obviously, right? Now, how can you prevent or not prevent, but 
decrease the chances of um, of uh, uh, evictions? Well, there are a couple of things you can do. Number one, if you target tenants that are living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck, well, guess what? There's a higher chance that will happen, you know, the eviction will happen because they wouldn't be able to uh, pay the rent. So just, 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 you know, just as a starting point. Number two, if you're buying in a state that is tenant friendly, right? You know, versus a state that is landlord friendly, guess what? Many times the tenants know the law is on their end, on their side, and they may take advantage of that. See, I always thought that it's in, in good enough to be in a landlord-friendly state to not only prevent the chances of, um, of eviction, but also when it happens, we can go through the process quickly, right? Another very, very important factor. How quickly and how costly will the process of eviction will take or will be? Now, a few years back, after many years of doing this, I realized that part of being in, in, a, in a state that it's landlord-friendly um, the, it creates an atmosphere, a setting for the tenants who know that most likely the law is not on their side, right? Now, that already sets up the kind of the environment for them to prevent or avoid a situation like this. So for me, the fact that we are going to states that are landlord friendly and the, you know, that, you know, that helps me if I get to the eviction, meaning price-wise and time-wise, but also it creates a kind of preventive you know, environment or possibly preventive environment, okay? So that's also very, very important to know. Now, with that said, I'm now speaking during October of 2019. There are things going on around the country, around the US now, or movements, or I don't even know how to call it, that are changing in some states, the laws or the atmosphere or there is kind of some movement uh, that is going towards from more you know for, for more landlord friendly to tenant friendly on every maybe in you know maybe every not maybe every state is a little bit different right we see some states that are already tenant friendly and are becoming tenant friendlier and we're not necessarily seeing the same attitude in the you know, Republican states or the states that are landlord friendly to begin with. But I cannot say that there is a kind of feel up in the air from reading, you know, in the media that maybe there is a shift going on in the country. I don't know. But right now, what's happening to the future, we cannot control. What's going on right now is there is definitely a difference between um, um, landlord friendly states and tenant friendly states. And the shift we're seeing is especially coming right now in the tenant-friendly states, becoming worse, okay, for us owners. I'm not saying worse. And by the way, you guys, don't get me wrong. A tenant, I have, you know, a tenant who lives in my house, they need to pay. Because if they don't pay, I may be late on my mortgage payment and other obligations, right? So it creates kind of, you know, a, a domino effect. Could be, right? So I am only looking for a tenant to honor their agreement that they signed. I'm not looking for evict anyone. I'm not looking to kick anyone out as long as they hold their end of their agreement or bargain. That's it. On the contrary, I love the tenants. Come, stay, pay, 
you know, uh, you know, that's fine. That's the whole point here, right? Benefit, enjoy. Some of my tenants, they, I, I can see from the photos of the houses that are being sent, they have the tenant, you know, uh, pride of tenantship, right? They, I, I have tenants that they, they, they work the, you know, the, um, you know, they, they landscape the house on their own budget. Why? Because they live there. Their family is there. Um, so, you know, that's, that's great. I love it, right? So I am not against tenants whatsoever. Don't get me wrong. I just want to make sure that everybody understands that you got to pay because that's the deal we have. Very simple. And if you're having, if you're damaging my house or if you are not holding your end of the bargain, then there are consequences, right? Why? Because if I don't pay the mortgage, there are consequences as well. Very simple. So let's wrap it up. Four things that we talked about, you know, that I call the drama, the noise in the system that I hope you understand it's part of it and you uh, will understand uh, that they're going to happen. We talked about vacancies. We talked about repairs, communication, uh, communication or miscommunication with property managers. And we talked about evictions. Now, how you gonna tackle those items and how you gonna address them when they happen, it's entirely up to you. And I wanna finish up with a, with a short story. Years back, I'm talking about probably 2005, six or seven, around that time, I knew a guy who purchased, you know, worked with us who purchased, I think 12 properties, right? 12 properties in different states. And this guy, very, very nice guy, would call us up on every tiny little thing that happened with the property manager. So think about everything I just talked about, those four items, everything that would happen with the, with the management, right? He would call up and, and he would be going nuts, right? 12 houses, there's always something going on communication-wise, repair-wise, and he was like ah, yelling and screaming and, you know, obnoxious and rude and... Oh my God, I, he would, he would be completely stressed. So for what? For a broken, you know, uh, 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 faucet? For, for a broken, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, um, you know, uh, 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 toilet something? Uh, come on. He would go nuts on every, every, little, every little thing. And unfortunately, I would hear from him quite, uh, often. And every time the tone was really negative and, just not unpleasant. And, and when he would, and when we would talk not about the problems, very, very, very nice guy, right? Very nice guy. And then one day he disappears. Just like that. I don't hear from him anymore. Okay. No complaints here, right? Then maybe seven, eight years ago or so, I'm giving a talk in San Diego and he walks in and he looks at me and says, do you remember me? I said, yes. Of course I do. Remember, remember him. I don't know why, but I did. And he said, well, you know, how are you? And, and then, you know, we, we, we chat a little bit. And then I asked him, and then he says, before I say anything, he says, remember how obnoxious and stressed and, you know, and, and difficult I was with the rental properties? I told him, yes, absolutely. Very much so. Um, he said, well, first of all, I, I want to thank you for always being there and, and trying to resolve. I really appreciate that. But, um, and, and I told him, yeah, not only that I remember, I actually wondered how come you disappeared all of a sudden? He says, well, the reason I disappeared, I didn't disappear. I just got to the, first of all, I got to the point that I felt that I have enough houses. Second, I just had a clicked in my mind that I realized that 
there's no really a need to get stressed out of over every little thing because that's part of owning rental properties and I realized the benefit of my portfolio the greater things it's doing for me and I was just focused on the problems I wasn't focused on the big bigger bigger scheme of things how my portfolio is performing how things are well I was just very much focused on the problems and actually that drove me a little bit crazy and I acted crazy and you know what I owe you an apology I completely changed my you know my mindset and realized that's part of it so I can fight it I can get stressed out or I can say okay accept that's part of the of the of the of what's going on part of this game so to speak and when you look at the portfolio that I've built and how it contributed to my life financially all of a sudden I got perspective and those issues I don't like them but they're very minimal and insignificant relatively to the bigger scheme of things and what can I tell you I tried to tell him that many many times before but he wasn't open to to you know to accepting this right I realized it many years ago myself personally I had to go through the same mental exercise to get to that point right we can we can focus on all those little things they will happen and they will torture you right and if you are listening to this and you're thinking like oh my god this is what I should be expecting that is really not good for my health not good for my personality you know what don't invest but if you're saying hang on a second those this is part of it every system has noise every system has benefits and disadvantages I wanna I want to be able to invest and I understand that that comes part of it and I see the bigger picture and the benefits then you'll probably be okay but if you are at least know that this is coming then it'll be a little bit more probably easier to digest when it comes so guys with that said I want to wrap up today's session um, Facebook is acting out on my end so if you are posting anything on Facebook I cannot see it I see likes I see bubbles um, but I don't see anything else so if you have if you want to communicate now with me or you know or share with me anything just do it via email or maybe a Facebook message I whatever um, but I cannot see I don't know what's going on with Facebook we'll take care of it later today um, as always I want to mention a couple of things that first of all you are most welcome to talk to us just have a what we call a strategy session it's an a, it's a it's an intimate session you and I can talk about what we have to offer and it and even if it fits what you're trying to accomplish right no strings attached no sales pitch when I speak to people I actually you know in, in this uh, um, uh, conversation we do it by Skype zoom Facebook uh, Facebook maybe phone uh, WhatsApp I don't care right as long as we talk face to face if you're in Southern California no problem I'll be happy to communicate with you get in touch with me um, and we'll set, set up a meeting no problem again my promise I guarantee it's not gonna be a sales pitch no it's gonna be a conversation can we help you that's it and usually I try actually to be quiet and talk less during those conversations and let and let you uh, uh, be the, the one who leads the, the conversation. Um, on the top of that, I want to say that I want to say that, uh, uh, like I said earlier, um, this is being recorded with a hiccup today on YouTube. So you can consume it on YouTube. This is being recorded 
on um, our podcast. We have a podcast in English. We have a podcast in Hebrew. Obviously, this is not going to be going on the podcast in Hebrew. You are most welcome to sign up um, to either one of them. Not a problem. I will post, uh, will post uh, the links uh, in, a, in a minute right here below so you can uh, subscribe. And with that said, have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend. Happy holiday if you are celebrating any one of those holidays. And I hope to talk to you soon or see you next week. Bye-bye, everyone.